Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we hear about how God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. We're excited you've joined us. Here's our host, Brett Marani. For the third episode in a row here on Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, I am so honored to have Jeremy Stevens joining me. Jeremy, welcome back. Oh man, it's good to be back. Episode one in our three episodes now with Jeremy, he shared his story, his testimony. Episode two, we got to talking about uh, the church. He was one of the, I guess you could say, co-founders of Tampa Underground, which is a network of micro churches in the Tampa Bay area. They have over 150 micro churches. In this episode, I'd like for us to really talk about the heart of what this underground network is all about, and that is being missional with micro churches. Uh, let me define a couple of those terms because I recognize some people don't use these terms in their everyday vocabulary or in, even in their church vocabulary, Christian vocabulary. Missional. Missional is a term that's used among a lot of evangelical leaders to refer to a strategic endeavor for the church to go beyond its walls to get out where the mission field is and to interact with people in a way that points them to Jesus Christ. As we say here at Harvest Jacksonville, we want to show the love of Christ and share the message of Christ. And that's really what we call our missional mindset. So I'd be interested in hearing from you, Jeremy. What, how do you define the word missional? Uh, people joining the purposes of God. Well, that was a whole lot simpler and shorter than mine. I like that. Now, what about this term microchurch? Uh, what does that mean? Is that a tiny church? Is that a, what, what is that? Yeah, uh, we would say worship community mission. That would be what comprises a microchurch. Uh, and when we went to the Philippines to be mentored by Filipino church planners um, before we kind of launched officially as the underground, we... Um, <clears throat> All right, let me... Let me I, we're, we're, we're kind of back now in the 90s when you made that comment. And so picking up from... 2005. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you were with InterVarsity in college. You in this is mm-hmm. how the, the underground has its origins in in college students and InterVarsity mm-hmm. Press, not InterVarsity Press, InterVarsity Fellowship uh, mm-hmm. ministry there on the campus of USF. And you all are like, hey, what we're doing here on the campus needs to be not just on our campus. We're not seeing this done in the way we're doing it, at least in churches. We want to. In essence, kind of, you didn't want to call it a church, but we want to start something, is what you said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that became Tampa Underground. But I, I thought maybe or no, earlier, this was it was not until two thousand five you guys went to the Philippines. Were you help? Were you just looking for some help with some form to this? Is that why you went to the Philippines? Well, we 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 knew we needed more than Americanized Christian Christianity. We know we needed mm. mentors that were outside of ourselves and were from kind of the poor in the developing world, and so we we needed something different. And so we spent nine months being mentored, and it was in that place that we codified our the past six years of experience and questioning and Bible studies and, and kind of putting together language and systems and values to say this is the underground, you know. And it took us nine months to deliver on that, um, but it was shaped in the, the slums of Metro Manila with Filipino mentors just investing in us. But we know we couldn't be Filipino, but. We wanted to be we wanted to be influenced. So if you really peel back the underground story and underground ecclesiology and its value structure, there's Filipino bones in it. It's very influenced by uh, Filipinos, Filipino culture. So how many a lot of people don't know that because I'm a white dude. Um, <laughs> I look like a cop. People people are like <laughs> you don't look Filipino. Uh, yeah, I'm not, and, and we're not trying to pretend to be, but we we wanted to be shaped in that way. And 
that's where microchurch came from. It was okay. in that place. How many Micro, of you I, went over to the <clears> Philippines? Nine adults, 10 kids for nine months. And then we brought a significant portion of the original founding group over to kind of spend a couple of weeks and say like, you know, just to kind of connect all the dots, like from mm-hmm. what we've been journeying with from the past few years to, to this kind of codification point. Why the Philippines? We had gone to a couple of cities, just fasting, praying, discerning, which is the place that the Lord wanted us to you know, be shaped behind. Um, the Philippines was one of those places, and we just felt confirmation mm. in the Spirit, like this is it. It was Santiago, Chile, Mexico City, uh, and Metro Manila. You know, those are the three locations. And you had a better language issue, obviously, less of a language barrier going to the Philippines, too, to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's like, yeah, people speak English. It's like, no, it's Lowe's, man. So I had to learn how to speak something odd when yeah. I was there to navigate the city and stuff. Uh, so it was <clears throat> it was beautiful and hard and um, changed changed us for the better. So we're actually, we, we go back there on a regular basis. We want our people to continue to be influenced and shaped, you know, by that origin story. So you, so, so, so the microchurch came the out term, of yeah. 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 So we knew the Ecclesial Minimum Worship Community Mission. I wanted to use the word church. I actually fought for that in our meetings. I was like, who cares if people are using that word in, inappropriately or poorly? We should just use the word that the Bible uses. And mm-hmm. but it was like, you're fighting a mountain. You're, it's like you're punching granite. You're fighting 2,000, you know, 1,700 years of the way the word has been perceived. Mm-hmm. And so, and we're not trying to set up a competitive set against First Baptist. We're, we're like not trying to compete. Mm-hmm. We're trying to just be what God has asked us to be. Mm-hmm. So th- that won out, and that was probably wise. You know, I just wanted to be like cantankerous, I guess. No, I'm, I'm, um, I'm very so we said, sympathetic to that. I, I love prefix, it. Let's yeah. do it the way the Bible does it. You know, how can you go yeah, wrong? But, yeah. And, but but we, we just said, you know, what if we put the prefix, you know, micro in front of it? You know, this is like the little ones, the, mi- you know, the mustard seed. Mm-hmm. So we see that. Those analogies that Jesus uses to describe his his church, and then there's the church that meets in your home, which is a fractal of the church of Antioch, which is a fractal of the church in history, right? So we're able, we're able to put language to something that is the essence of ecclesia, and then modify the, the English so that uh, people can perceive it accurately. Uh, and that all seemed wise to us. Like, okay, it's wise to us. Um, as far as I know, we're we didn't copy anybody. That that was like us. Just that was our thought process. We problem mm-hmm. solved that. I don't know if anybody used it before. Then uh, we haven't found anything in publication before. You know, we were using we were kind of using the, those words because we, we were using house church at first, but house church was too limited because we, mm-hmm. we were seeing all these things pop up that weren't living room, that weren't house. Right. And so we were like, ah, it seems to be the church seems to be more, but but still small. Like we're not seeing you just got to start an agency. It's like micro. And so we were beginning to use that, that phrase a little bit, 2003, 2004. Um, well, now also but, house churches yeah. have just like the word church in 2000 years has created a lot of uh, baggage. If you will, there is some baggage that goes with the, with the house church label. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So we, so we just thought, you know, micro church was a, a more inclusive term. Like it could be something that looks like a parachurch ministry, like a, like a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Could function as microchurch. A house church could be microchurch. A a tutoring program that's super organic in the park that some believers in the name of Jesus loving some kids 
that's you know that that could be microchurch. So mm-hmm. um, we you know so we landed on that, and and that allowed us to have what we've come to know as expansive ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. So we want all the different forms of church. So there's a way that we we converge too quickly. We we if you say church or even house church, like we converge. Okay, dinner, Bible study, brownies. You know, share the gospel with your neighbors. Yes, we would say yes, microchurch, but not only that. But you could there's, there's a thousand you could have a microchurch at, at at the at your uh, break room at your company. Yes, yes. And so house yes. church would be limiting in that factor, in in a, in the same way church building is limiting. Correct. You know, again, we're not opposed to almost anything. <laughs> right. we're, we're thumbs up. Hey, man, Jesus is asking you to like in His name with each other be about these purposes. Man, sounds like church to me. Let's go. How can we help you? Um, so it's very expansive, and because of that, we've seen just a multitude of creative expressions of the priesthood of believers, like everyday believers saying, I think Jesus wants me to do this in the world. And and then our second question to them is, you know, other than like, what is Jesus asking you to do is, should it be worship community mission, mm-hmm. microchurch? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes not. That's not what God, God's just asking that individual to obey him in a specific way. And that's beautiful. They should do that. You know, but if they want it to be microchurch, it's like the underground is saying, we want to help you. How can we help you? We have a whole organization designed to help you be this thing in the world for as long as you're called to be it. And again, that's, that's our whole story. Just trying to flesh that out from really 2005, kind of solidifying some of those ideas, value sets, um, language, and, and we've kind of moved forward in, in that space. And in order for there to be that creative element in there, that means also with these words, worship, community, mission, there's a certain level of expansiveness or mm-hmm. broadness mm-hmm. in that as well, because some mm-hmm. people hear worship and they think singing. So every one of these micro churches right. have to be yeah. singing. Right. It's yeah, much yeah. broader than that. How that's do you, right. how that's do you right. set the parameters for what's acceptable to be called worship? How do you set the parameters for what's acceptable to be called mission, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, just really brief. We usually, you know, would say, Hey, kind of Romans 12, man. You know, like you're mm. breaking from the patterns of this world, mm-hmm. renewing your mind and reforming them in the patterns of the kingdom unto Jesus. Like it's, 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 it's Colossians one, like, like ultimate Christology type of stuff, right? That's worship. It, you know, singing songs is going to help you do that. Praying prayers is going to help you. Confession of sin is going to help. Like use every tool that God has given his people. But, but the goal of worship, is, the essence of worship, that's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so sing songs, that's great. You know? uh, but if it becomes a Barney sing-along time and there's no breaking of the pattern, there's no adoration of Jesus, it's just like we enjoy singing together. It, that's not necessarily evil. A Barney sing-along time is not evil, but it's also not worship. And mm-hmm. so, you know, these are diagnostic. I mean, we ask these questions to the leaders and community would be, you know, like the love one another passages. Mm-hmm. This is probably where we would locate more discipleship stuff. Like when you're doing discipleship, it is a form of community and communitas and like loving one another. So like this is where you're going to obey to love one another, walk with one another kind of stuff. And then the mission is the the edges of the kingdom. It's it's joining Jesus on his mission, the missio dei, right? Mm-hmm. The mission of God in the world. And that takes a myriad of things. It's proclamation and demonstration. It's all of it. You know, it's the lost and the poor and all of it. Uh, we want to join Jesus in, in all of his purposes as he, you know, as we head towards new heaven and new earth. And then those things bounce off of each other. And it's, it's really a dynamic thing. You know, worship community mission, if you were to like just 
draw a diagram, the circles are never equal. They're always like not not complete. Yeah, yeah. They, and they adjust over time. Like in six months, those circles, if you were to take a picture of your microchurch, you know, you would draw the circle and say, oh, you know, the worship's really big right now. Community's okay. Mission's kind of small. You know, six months later, the mission's popping. It's huge circle. And, and the community's like, it's a medium, you know, and the mm-hmm. worship is kind of small, you know. And we really emphasize, like, guys, it's over time. You know, like we're not saying it's not event based. Every event has to pop. Every event has to be like the most successful thing in the world. No, it, a microchurch is not an event. Just like your family is not the family dinner. Mm. The it's family a good metaphor is for it's family. A family, right? And body. Yeah. Those two metaphors yeah. stand out a lot in the New Testament. Yeah. So, so family dinner serves the family. It is not the family. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, like your methodology for reaching people, it's beautiful, but it is not church. You're, when you get together and do Bible study, it's an event of Bible study and worship and you know, sharing Jesus with each other. That's great. But that event, that gathering is not the church. You know, Mm -hmm. it is not the family. It serves the family. So we were always like kind of reiterating with people, like even as microchurches, the microchurch is not the event. It is the people of God. The people of God make the temple where the spirit dwells. It's just a tuning fork. We, we, you know, as as humans, we have like tendencies towards, you know, these kind of rigid institutionalization and, and we just kind of get caught up in our traditions and, we lose the power. It has all the form of godliness, no power. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's true for everybody, everything that humans put their hand to. Yeah. And, and so in the same way, the way the network of microchurches serves one another is reminding each other, you know, calling each other to the feet of Jesus again. And over again, over time, we find our ways out of our little funky, you know, every microchurch is going to find its way into a funky rut. And together, we will help each other find our way out of that funky rut. But it's over time. So over the course of a year, microchurches are powerful. But any one moment, any one event, eh, you know, it's only powerful yeah. if you get lucky. Similar to family dinner. The family it, it, was your family dinner powerful? Probably not. You it's know, collective. <laughs> but over the course over of a year, yeah. it was it shaped your family. It was powerful for your family. Mm-hmm. But any one event, you know, unless you just get lucky and the conversation is just right, there might be a couple of them that would be called powerful, like a breakthrough you know, family one, dinner. Yeah. Yeah, the the kid confesses something or there's some kind of like moment of crisis and you're talking about it over dinner. So in the same way, microchurches need to be about the business of being the church, but most of what they are is living faithful, mundane lives. And, and that that's really the unpopular, unsexy version of what we're doing. But over time, it, it, it's seismic in the city. <laughs> What's happening in the city uh, is it's quite, it's quite incredible, you know, so... And then collectively together, you're you're a part of something that is qu- quite extensive and, and much bigger than your one living room Bible study mm-hmm. or, or whatever whatever you're whatever you're doing. Right, like right now, we have like over 150 microchurches in the Tampa Bay area, and each microchurch there's about 10 people who would be considered core on average, mm-hmm. which you know, fits so, the pattern of our Lord Jesus with with his 12. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and and each one of those activated missional Christians that are a part of that core, they, they reach about three to four people each. So the, the effective range of, of a microchurch is really, you know, you know, 50 to 60 people each. So what, you start multiplying that out. Your little microchurch, you just feel so small most of the time because it's just a family dinner. It's just us. It's just us loving each other and trying to love our coworkers. But a lot of times they're not responsive. They're not responsive to us because it's the world. You know, we live in Babylon, you know, so you're out there seeking, you know, we have a, you know, one of our, our Mike Church members, he's joining a kickball group this week and he's like, 
you can pray for me. I want to try to get in spiritual conversation. I'm just, you know, who's the Lord kind of putting in front? Who's the person of peace? All that kind of stuff. Trying to find somebody open to Jesus. But for the most part, he's going to play kickball. He's going to try to be like a good dude on the kickball. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very mundane. And if, if he's isolated and if we are isolated as a micro church, you could, you could be very overwhelmed by that. But collectively we go, Wait, the Underground Network is actually the largest megachurch in Tampa that no one's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Like, it's huge. <laughs> you know? And there's actually people coming to faith all over the city, and I'll never meet them because right. it's decentralized, because it's all over the place, you know? And that produces an effect of perseverance that is maybe not always accounted for, you know, um, because it's, it's almost unseen. It's this intangible quality to a decentralized network. Like, man, there's people just like me all over the city loving people in the name of Jesus. And when I feel like, does this count or does this really matter? Together it matters, right? And so I join in, not just with people in the underground, but there's people being faithful to Jesus all over the city who aren't even a part of the underground. Mm-hmm. But, but we get a sense of that. We're able to then persevere in the mundane, trying to love the knucklehead who's on my kickball team. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I can persevere in that work now because there's something about us collectively. Give, give us some examples of some of the names of your perhaps mission-based micro churches. And we don't have time really to go fully into the difference between mission-based and distributive, except to say uh, your mission-based micro churches are, or micro churches formed around a specific mission. Whereas your distributive micro churches are micro churches in which you gather in order to then scatter into your separate missions. That's about the best way I could summarize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's right. So could you give us some example of, of uh, just the creativity out there of some of your micro churches? Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have several that are involved in kind of the prison work, you know, kind of women's prisons, you know, doing juvenile justice kind of work, getting into the juvenile systems. And I mean, just straight up preaching the gospel and also uh, delivering life skills and life lessons. We have Ink to Ink, which is incarcerated to incorporated. This was founded by a hard felon. He's one of the top drug dealers in the panhandle of here in Florida. And now he's like trying to move people towards becoming entrepreneurs mm-hmm. instead of using those skills for the streets and for the destruction of your neighborhood and your people, using it for good and for sustainability in the name of Jesus. So he has a wonderful kind of program that he runs people through. And, you know, we have microchurches that work with women kind of um, in the sex industry, coming out of the sex industry, women on the streets, women in the the strip clubs and the brothels, the microchurch that works with legislation and like as a lawyer for uh, women who have been trafficked in particular, and uh, kind of women coming out of that lifestyle that have like um, charges that are pending and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They've actually participated in changing the laws of Florida. So the state laws of Florida have changed because of microchurch work here in Tampa. Wow. Um, that's pretty cool. We got microchurches doing kind of mentoring kind of stuff. We had some microchurches who were locating like Discovery Bible studies in bars, like adopting bars and offering Discovery Bible studies in those locations. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like the, the outreach was a location, not necessarily like a people group. It was like those frequent, you know, those frequent things, those, those places. We got some places that are doing like um, homeless drop-in centers, homeless ministry, caring for the homeless. Some of them are very basic, like this microchurch is just like giving haircuts. Got another microchurch doing shower ministry, like giving showers and just hygiene mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like it's a service base to go out on the streets. Kind of, they got they bought a trailer, 
you know, and they set up shop and they just try to love people and give them what they need and then try to minister to them, pray for them, that type of stuff. So, yeah, that kind of gives a a little bit of a a range. And there's some videos available (laughs) if if people will search on, uh, I know there's a really well done Vimeo video that's done about, it's a few years yeah. old now, but yeah. about Tampa Underground. Um, yeah. You can find some stuff on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll give you a good example. I think it was TampaUnderground.com. I think the documentary is still accessible there. Okay. Or UndergroundNetwork.org. Those are our kind of two. Yeah. TampaUnderground.com is more designed for local, um, but UndergroundNetwork.org is designed for outward-facing folks. So you go to those, you might be able to find a few of those videos. Final question would be, I'm assuming the name Underground is uh, strategic and and maybe even identifying with the underground church in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm, yeah, historical underground church in the world. We we want to aspire to be like them. We we acknowledge we're not them, but we want to be mm-hmm. like them. Uh, to suffer for the name of Jesus, to be humble, um, and and to be really about his his representation in the world. But also the underground tube in London. That's a metaphor for us. We want to be something that basically. The whole city relies on is connected through it, um, but is unseen. Yeah. So we want to be organizationally shy and no billboards, that type of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Not the marketing machine and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we're anti-marketing machine and uh, we just want to be underground. We, you know, we want to be influential. We want to be like indispensable to the city, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we want to be unseen. You want to fly under the radar. Yeah. That's good. Hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time and the three episodes you've given us. We really appreciate it and uh, appreciate your time. Again, thanks. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett A. Morani, 2024.